Thanks so much for joining us for the New Life Rabina podcast. New Life Church is one family, many churches, and we exist simply seeing more people more like Jesus by planning and leading thriving local churches. You've joined us for Dinner with Jesus, a series exploring transformative mealtime encounters found in the Gospels. Together, we will discover the depths of these moments, revealing Jesus' mission of redemption through love and grace. We pray this message is a blessing. Hey, without further ado, um, we, we've had a couple of guest speakers lately, and this week I'm so excited because today's guest speaker is a dear friend of Sarah and myself, someone I've known for many years, actually went to school uh, with this person. We've known each other ever since. So if you want to find out what Michael was like in school, you can talk uh, to Stacey in a moment. Stacey has come to our church many times. She's preached, but the last time Stacey preached with us, she was Pastor Stacey Tarrant. I'm going to get it wrong again. And today uh, she is Pastor Stanley Trollov. Trollov. Troy Love nailed it. Fantastic. And uh, Stace is someone who hasn't only inspired my faith, but the way she leads, the way she communicates the Word of God, uh, challenges me, shapes me, and for Sarah and I, has been a deeply faithful friend. So would you come and welcome Pastor Stacey comes and preaches today. Awesome. Thank you. Yes, I did get married just over a year ago now to Jed, who's sitting on the front row. So awesome to have uh, my husband here. Last time I think I was preaching on singleness from, from being single, right? Yeah, so sorry to do this. Hey, if you're a teenager, we're now going to release you uh, as well. And uh, this is the worst way for someone to have to start a sermon. So uh, on that note, friends, can we welcome Pastor Stacy again, who's got to come preach? Thank you, thank you. All right, so I know I've been married a year, but I'm not talking about marriage, even though I seem to be that relational girl every time, singleness, marriage, mom, motherhood, maybe next time we'll see. But I'm actually talking on um, this cool series that you guys have just kicked off with Anna last week um, about dinners with Jesus. But before I do that, I just want to tell you a little bit about myself, because uh, I obviously know not many of you in the room. So um, I am married to Jed. I'm a lecturer at Christian Heritage College in Brisbane, and I'm also a part of a church um, on the Tweed Coast called The Gathering. Um, what else? I have an amazing family. We are local here to the Gold Coast and um, I am a Kiwi. Come on, the All Blacks. <laughs> Who's a Springbok fan here? Well done. Give it up. You guys, you guys did really, really well. I'm sure there's maybe a couple of All Blacks watching online this morning who might not have wanted to show their face in church today, but it's good to have everybody here and online. So a little bit about me. Um, I grew up in Auckland, New Zealand, and um, I have a mo- the most amazing family, beautiful, beautiful parents, uh, but a non-religious home. So I didn't grow up with the Bible. I didn't grow up understanding anything about God. But one of my earliest memories as a little kid, you know, a three or a four-year-old, I could remember that I had this real sense that there was something or someone out there that was responsible for my being here. And I didn't have language for it. No one was explaining it to me. And so what I would do at night is I had this really weird habit where I had to kiss my fist like this. And then I would try and send that kiss out into the universe, right? This was my way of trying to reach out and connect with whoever or whatever was out there. So I'd go like this. And every time, no matter how much oxygen I emptied out of my lungs, it never quite reached where I was trying to send it. So I thought, I'll just try again the next time. And I would have done this for years, right? Trying to reach out to someone or whoever was out there. It wasn't until the age of 14 when my family moved from Auckland to the Gold Coast. And I started going to Emmanuel College. 
And at Emmanuel, my new friends took me to the local youth group. Not this one. I know this one's amazing, but another local one. And um, the guy talking was talking about this God who'd created the whole world. And yet because of sin, we'd now been separated from him. But he'd sent Jesus, his son, to make the way for us to be in relationship with him again. And as he's talking, I'm thinking, he's talking about the guy that I've been blowing kisses to like ever since I was a little girl. So my hand shot up. I was like, I want to be a Christian, right? And it just, in that moment, everything in my soul clicked into place like this ultimate Rubik's Cube, right? Everything just made sense. And I share that story because whether or not you're a Christian today, maybe you've been a Christian for 20 years or maybe you're searching and you, like me, have questions, I share my story to encourage you that we are all made for a relationship with God. We are all made by God for a relationship with God. And so wherever you're at, whoever you are today, let me encourage you that your life will actually only make sense lived in relationship with God, because that is how we're meant to live. So on that note, do you mind praying with me before we open up the Word of God this morning? Father, I thank you that you are our creator. You love us deeply and you desire relationship with us through what Jesus has accomplished for us on the cross. So today as we open your word, I pray that you would soften our hearts, you would speak to our minds, and God, ultimately that you would inflame us for the cause of Christ in the world today. We love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. All God's people said... Amen. Well, we're talking about dinners with Jesus, which is awesome because I love Jesus and I love dinner. And I love this series because we're looking at these ordinary people who were touched in an extraordinary way over a feast or a meal with Christ. But what I want you to do is shelf that topic just for a couple of minutes because I've got a really important question to ask you. And the guys online, you can also participate with this. This question is going to divide families. This question's potentially even going to divide the church. I know it's created a lot of tension in my marriage, more than anything. And the question is this, is it okay to ask questions during movies? Okay, hold on, hold on. Who here like me thinks probably better off to hold your question until after the movie and then we'll chat about it for as long as you want? Okay, good. Who here are the other poor souls who were so confused? You're like, this is a two hour long movie. I just need 10 seconds of your time. Okay, my husband is in this camp. Okay, I feel feel for you guys. I truly do. I remember when um, my husband and I were just dating and we went and watched Top Gun at the cinemas. Greatest movie ever. Loved it. But it was actually my second time that week seeing it because I just loved it so much. So Jed just seemed to think that I had a sign on my forehead that said, open for questioning, right? So we're sitting in the cinema, packed cinema, and he's leaning over and he's like whispering and commenting on the movie. And I am, my blood is boiling, right? I'm thinking, this is a massive red flag. Like for me, I'm dating this guy, I'm like, red flag, right? Other red flags, if he's vegan. I don't know, just I'm glad that you know how to cook a steak. Sorry if you're vegan. Second red flag, if he didn't like dogs. Thankfully, he likes dogs. Third red flag, if you're going to talk to me during a movie. Like, honestly, I went out of that place and I was like, God, I just don't know anymore, right? (laughs) Don't ask me questions during movies. And this is divided families. My mum is on the side of my husband and she just wants her questions answered. 
But what she'll actually do, and maybe there are, there are other women in the room who do this as well, is once we've picked what movie we want to watch, you know, that's, that in itself has taken 30 minutes, she then, once we press play, wants to go make herself a cup of tea. I don't get it. You had 30 minutes to go do it, and just now when we press play, now's the time to go grab your slippers and make a cup of tea. doesn't make sense. So she'll, anyone else like that? You're like, I need my cup of tea. Okay, you're weirdos. So she'll come back into the, the living room. The movie's already started. She'll sit down, and she'll go, so, so wait on, who's that girl? And, and why is he in prison? I don't know, mum, the movie's just started. I have no idea, right? And she'll come firing with all these questions. Now, this applies to us today because as we talk about dinners with Jesus, I don't want to start five minutes into the movie, so to speak. Okay, I want us to start in season one, episode one, which in this case is actually the Old Testament. So again, I want you to shelf the idea of dinners with Jesus just for maybe 10 minutes and come with me to the Old Testament. So if you don't know the story of the Old Testament, in Genesis, it tells us that God created the world and he created people and he actually creates a family. Now, Abraham is the father of that family and this family is bonded to God through covenant. Now, eventually this family grows so big that they actually find themselves slaves to Pharaoh in Egypt. And you guys know the story. God appears to Moses in the burning bush and he says to Moses, I've called you to free my people out of Egypt. I need you to go to them. Moses goes to them. The 10 plagues happen. They come through the Red Sea and now they're on their way to the promised land. Okay, so if you have your Bibles, I want you to go with me to Exodus chapter 16. Now, I know that New lifers love the Bible, am I right? Yes, you guys love the Bible, which means that as I read a whole lot of verses today that you guys are going to be totally okay with that, am I right? Awesome. Okay, so I'm going to start in Exodus chapter 16, but a little bit of context. They've been out of Egypt now for two months. So all the food that they took from Egypt, it's either been eaten or it's like molded and it's just destroyed. Okay, so they start complaining, like a million people complaining to Moses saying, Moses, it would have been far better for us to have stayed in Egypt. We're going to starve out here. We're going to die. We've got no food. So Moses comes to God and Moses is like, what are we going to do? This is what happens in verse 13. It says, in the evening, quail came up and covered the camp. And in the morning, dew lay around the camp. And when the dew had gone up, there was on the face of the wilderness a fine flake-like thing. Fine as frost on the ground. When the people of Israel saw it, they said to one another, What is it? For they did not know what it was. And Moses said to them, It is the bread. Everybody say bread. Bread. It is the bread that the Lord has given you to eat. Verse 35. The people of Israel ate the manna 40 years till they came to a habitable land. They ate the manna till they came to the border of the land of Canaan. So a little summary of season one, right? Episode one, little summary. We see here the Israelites, God's people, hungry in the wilderness without anything to eat. And God uses Moses to bless the people with nourishment, with bread, right, for 40 years. So there's this miraculous bread that's happening in the wilderness over these 40 years while God's people are wandering around towards the promised land. Now, I want you to hold that season one synopsis in your mind, and let's now go over to season two. 
So in season two, about 1,400 years later after Moses, we've got a character named Jesus. Now, some people think Jesus is a bit like a prophet. Some people think he's a teacher. Whatever people think he might be, he's wandering around in the wilderness teaching and healing people, and he's drawing a crowd. Right? People are coming from all over to listen to him, to be touched by him, to be healed. And so I want to pick up the story in John chapter 6, in verse 5, if you have your Bibles. John writes this, Jesus soon saw a huge crowd of people coming to look for him. Turning to Philip, he asked, where can we buy bread? Everyone say bread. Bread Bread to feed all these people. He was testing Philip for he already knew what he was going to do. Philip replied, even if we worked for months, we wouldn't have enough money to feed them. Then Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. There's a young boy here with five barley loaves and two fish. But what good is that with this huge crowd? Tell everyone to sit down, Jesus said. So they all sat down on the grassy slopes. The men alone numbered about 5,000. Then Jesus took the loaves, gave thanks to God, and distributed them to the people. Afterward, he did the same with the fish. And they all ate as much as they wanted. After everyone was full, Jesus told his disciples, Now gather the leftovers so that nothing is wasted. So they picked up the pieces and filled 12 baskets with scraps left by the people who had eaten from the five barley loaves. Verse 14. When the people saw him do this miraculous sign, they exclaimed, Surely he is the prophet we have been expecting. Now this is significant because who do you think the Israelites are thinking about when they're watching this man do a miracle with bread that feeds thousands of people in the wilderness. Who do you think they're thinking about? Moses. Their minds are going back to the stories of the, that their ancestors have told them about how God used some men to feed a multitude with miraculous bread. 1,400 years later, there is a man in a wilderness feeding hungry people with miraculous bread. Now we know, we start to see that Jesus becomes the fulfillment of what was shadowed in the Old Testament. That what God began to reveal in the Old Testament, Jesus becomes the fulfillment of those things. But Jesus doesn't just leave it there. He doesn't just feed them with miraculous bread and then go on his way, right? He actually reveals something very significant about himself. So I want us to continue reading. And you guys love the Bible, so I know you're loving it as I read all these verses, okay? John 6, let's pick up in verse 30. They answered, show us a miraculous sign, Jesus, if you want us to believe in you. What can you do? After all, our ancestors ate manna while they journeyed through the wilderness. The scriptures say Moses gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus said, I tell you the truth. Moses didn't give you bread from heaven. My father did. And now he offers you the true bread from heaven. The true bread of God is the one who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, give us that bread every day. Jesus replied, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry again. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty Verse 47, I tell you the truth, anyone who believes has eternal life. Yes, I am the bread of life. Your ancestors ate manna in the wilderness, but they all died. Anyone who eats the bread from heaven, however, will never die. 
I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Anyone who eats this bread will live forever. And this bread, which I will offer so the world may live, is my flesh. At this epic dinner with Jesus, where he feeds over 5,000 people, he reveals himself not only as the bread of life, but also as God, the great I am. Do you know this is the first time that Jesus uses that name for God for himself? The Gospel of John actually records seven statements, seven I am statements of Jesus, where he says, I am, and that he is borrowing that name for God and using it for himself. So Jesus here in this, at this epic dinner, he is revealing himself as the true God, but also as bread of life. So at this epic dinner, we see that Jesus is not only providing dinner, but he is providing the actual meal, and that is himself. He is revealing something incredibly significant. So what I want to do today for the next few moments together is I want to just offer you three insights that Jesus as the bread of life means for us today and meant probably for the people of Israel as well. And so if you have your Bibles, you can stick around in John 6 because we're just going to hang out there for the rest of the day. But number one, point number one, Jesus as the bread of life means that he satisfies our deepest desires. Jesus as the bread of life means he satisfies our deepest desires. You know, ever since I became a Christian at the age of 14, I've been keeping journals. Do we have any journalers here? Awesome. A handful of us. Mike, you're a journaler. There you go. Every day? Wow. Solid. So I probably journal maybe like not every day, but definitely I had a significant amount of journals to read through as I'm, I'm writing an assignment and I'm using my journals to do it. So as I'm reading my journals, I'm just humbled because I was utterly ridiculous. Some of the stuff I wrote about, I'm like ripping out the pages and I'm burning them because I never want anybody to read them, right? But what I'm noticing, this common theme in my journals is that, you know, I'm begging God to do something in the future and then he does it. You know, it might be like, oh, God, give me a visa so I can work in America. He does it. Okay, awesome. Now, please give me a job so I can stay in America. He does it. Okay, awesome. Um, Now, please, God, give me a godly guy to date. Oh, he does it. He gives me Jed. Great. Um, Now, please, like, help us get married. Okay, great. Um, And I just have the sequence of just projected happiness in the future. And I'm just constantly never satisfied. And I'm noticing this all throughout my journals. There is always something else that I was longing for and hoping for. It's like this insatiable longing that exists in my heart. And I don't know if you have experienced that, these hungers, these longings, these desires, where you notice, I don't know what can fill that. I've not yet experienced that. Now, there's this... um, awesome band from the 1980s. They had an album called The Joshua Tree. Anyone know whose album that is? You too. Who's the main singer? Bono. Okay, I need your help singing this because I'm not much of a singer, okay? So if you know the main line, the chorus, please sing it with me. Other than that, I'm going to just read through the lyrics, okay? They did really good at the 8am, but I believe you guys can do better. Okay. I've climbed highest mountains... I have run through the fields, only to be with you, only to be with you. I have run, I have crawled, I have scaled these city walls, these city walls, only to be with you. Ready, everyone? But I still what I'm looking for. I have kissed honey lips, felt the healing in her fingertips. 
It burned like fire, this burning desire. I've spoke with the tongue of angels. I've held the hand of a devil. It was warm in the night. I was cold as stone. But I still haven't found. I believe in the kingdom come. Then all the colours will bleed into one. Bleed into one. And yes, I'm still running. You broke the bonds and you loosed the chains. Carried the cross of my shame. Oh, my shame. You know I believe it. With gusto. But I still haven't found you two are just nailing this philosophical problem that no matter what we get, no matter what we attain, no matter what we experience, no matter what we see, there is still this hunger, this longing, this human desire within us that says there's something else. There's something else. And C.S. Lewis, you guys know C.S. Lewis. He's a classic Christian author. He puts it this way. He says, A duckling wants to swim, well, there's such a thing as water. A baby wants to suck, well, there's such a thing as milk. And if I find in myself a longing which nothing in this world can meet, it probably means I was made for another world. My friends, what he's talking about is this longing, this hunger that we have. If we can't find what we're looking for, then it's pointing to the fact that it's somewhere else. And Jesus as the bread of life means that he satisfies our deepest desires. Yes, in this life now, absolutely, but actually perfectly in eternity. That as I come to God and as I feast on his word and as I feast in his presence, you know, this morning, I just felt like I was in a glory cloud, right? I'm still left hungry. I don't want to leave that moment of worship because I'm a hungry human being. And do you know what? In eternity, we're not gonna be singing, I still haven't found what I'm looking for. We're gonna be singing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and who is and who is to come, right? Our souls are going to be overflowing with glory as we are immersed in the perfection of that true bread from heaven. That He will ultimately and utterly satisfy our deepest desires in eternity. And until then, the invitation is, hey, come and taste. Taste and see how good the Lord is. This is really good news. So this is what it means, that Jesus is the bread of life. means he satisfies our deepest desires. Point number two this morning, and I hope you guys online are doing okay. Point number two, Jesus as the bread of life means he gives us eternal life. You know, I'm not sure if there are any avid fasters here. Um, Fasting something that I've been pretty poor at my whole Christian life. I've been trying to get better, right? I've been sensing this drawing from the Holy Spirit to dig into fasting. And, you know, 8 a.m. rolls around and I'm like, I'm not going to survive. How am I going to do this? My knees start getting all weak and knocking together, right? I'm a terrible faster. But it's showing me how utterly dependent we are as humans on food. You know, I feel super invincible with my three meals a day and three snacks, right? I'm like, I can do anything. You take breakfast away from me and I'm like, I'm weak, I'm going to die. I just cannot function without food. We've been watching a a series on Netflix called Alone. Has anybody seen Alone? I'm going to, it's awesome. It's awesome. If you guys haven't seen it, it's like the cleanest, purest entertainment on Netflix you'll find, okay? It's so good. 
But the whole premise of this show alone is that they take these, these like amazing people, just superhuman people, and they drop them down in like, you know, the Arctic or Canada or like Mongolia, just these crazy places that get super cold and they just have to survive. If they survive for 100 days, they get a million bucks. But here's the thing, they've got to survive just on their sheer skill alone. I would be dead within two days, right? Like, I would not survive. These people are out there, like, shanking big oxes and putting out snares and traps for rabbits. I'm like, they're amazing. But what happens is that their food source actually all kind of dry up or they ice over and they start really struggling to find food. And so sooner or later, again, their knees start to shake together, they get really faint and dizzy, and they got to tap out, they got to call to come get saved and rescued and taken off wherever they are. And it's the last person standing at 100 days that wins the million bucks. Now, this show is showing me just how dependent we are on food. But the thing is, just as our bodies, our human bodies, are so dependent on food and water for nourishment, and without it we will die so too are our souls utterly dependent on nourishment and without it, our souls will die. Think about that example I shared about my story at the start of the sermon, that when I was 14, it honestly felt like I was eating my first soul meal for the first time in my life and my soul revived. What was that? I was feasting upon the bread of life for the very first time and my soul came back to life. Just as our bodies need food for nourishment, so too do our souls need food for nourishment. But catch this, Jesus tells us that this food, this bread, is his flesh. Now, can you imagine how awkward that would be at that dinner? I'm not sure if you've had any awkward conversations over the dinner table, but you just want to run, right? Crickets, people are shifting in their chair, like this just got really awkward. I can imagine at this epic dinner with Jesus and Jesus is like, so here's the thing, unless you eat my flesh, you won't have eternal life. Cricket, cricket. Like, what do you mean by that, Jesus? And so I want to briefly explain that when Jesus says that it is his flesh that is the bread, he's talking about his body on the cross. You know, the climax of the gospel story is the fact that Jesus sacrificed his life, his body hung on the cross. And as it hung on the cross, he actually paid the debt that we owed to God for our sin. And as his body hung on the cross, we are now offered eternal life because of his sacrificed body and then resurrected body, right? It is that climax of the gospel story, Christ's body hanging on a cross that gives us eternal life. So when he says, this is the bread of life, my flesh, that's what he's talking about. He's talking about the significance of his body on the cross. But that's not all. Point number three, Jesus as the bread of life means that we are invited to come and feast. And this is the third and final point for us this morning. In John chapter 6, verse 53, Jesus said again, I tell you the truth, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, You cannot have eternal life within you. You know, I've got three nephews, six, four, and about five months old. And I'm just amazed that kids just don't really like to eat. Like, I just can't stop eating. And it is incredibly hard sometimes to get these boys to just eat. Like a beautiful lamb roast, right, will be put in front of them. And instead of eating it, what do kids do? Play. They just 
push the gravy around, they flick the peas at each other. I'm like, you've got the most amazing looking meal in front of you and you're just playing with it. Makes no sense to me. And you know what else doesn't make sense to me? That we as Christians, we do the same. Instead of feasting upon all that God is for us in Christ Jesus, we get it on the plate and we play with it. We just play. We, and this is something that God's been speaking to me about personally, saying, Stacey, you're just toying with Christianity. You're not taking it seriously. I've invited you to come and feast. And so what we say to my nephews is, as they've got this roast on their plate, we say, if you don't eat up, you can't get big and strong like Dad. We're trying to teach them that the value is in the eating, not just the admiring, not just being grateful. Oh, thank you, Nanny. Thank you, Poppy. The value is in partaking of what is on the plate. And my friends, this is Christ's invitation to us as the bread of life. Don't just be grateful. That's good. Don't just admire. Wow. That was awesome. But partake. What is all of this about? Unless we receive of all that Christ is. And so I want to encourage you this morning that Christ is the bread of life, is an invitation to come and feast. Come and feast. Charles Spurgeon, the 19th century preacher, he puts it this way. He says, what is spiritual eating? It is the inward reception of the truth of God into the soul. To hear the truth is, as it were, to see the bread. To think upon the truth is, as it were, to cut the bread and put it on the plate. But this will never nourish any man. He must take the bread into his inward parts and digest and assimilate it. And so by faith, a man must take the truth into his inmost soul and make that which was outward become inward to him till his soul eats it and drinks it and so absorbs it into his own self that he lives upon it. This is Christ's invitation. Make what is outward inward in your life. Feast upon it so you can live by it. And so I imagine Jesus, you know, walking around this epic dinner with 5,000 people and He's breaking bread and He's distributing it. And I imagine Him crossing paths with you or crossing paths with me and He bends down and He, and he tears some bread off. And I think that He's asking us a couple of questions this morning. As He leans in close, He asks us, what table are you sitting at? As He breaks the bread and He leans forward, He says, what table are you sitting at? New life, what table have you been sitting at expecting to be satisfied from? What table are you, are you sitting on your seat? You got your knife and your fork and you're banging it on the table expecting to receive satisfaction out of that career. Expecting satisfaction out of a marriage, out of the possibility of having kids or owning a home or getting a promotion or going on that overseas trip. Let me tell you, it's all perishable food. It will not sustain you, it will not complete you the way that Christ can and Christ does. And this has been my journey. God has given me all I've ever wanted and I've realised it's not enough. It's not enough. Nothing compares to the glory that is Christ Jesus. And when we feast upon that good meal, my friends, you will not ever want to sit at another table. So the invitation and the question from Christ this morning is, whose table are you sitting at?
because only the bread of life, only Christ will satisfy you the way that your soul longs to be satisfied. And the second question is, and who are you bringing to the table? There's heaps of room. There's plenty of empty seats. So who are you inviting to come and join with you at this table? Because it's not just enough that we know the bread of life. I got my parents, we've got neighbours, we've got best friends who we are desperate to join us at this table. They need to know. They need to know Jesus is the bread of life, man. And He will satisfy you more than anything in this world. I want to close with a quote and I'll invite the band up. This quote's from, again, C.S. Lewis. He says this, Probably earthly pleasures were never meant to satisfy it, but only to arouse it to suggest the real thing. They are only a kind of copy or echo or mirage. I must keep alive in myself the desire for my true country, which I shall not find till after death. I must never let it get snowed under or turned aside. I must make it the main object of life to press on to that other country and to help others do the same. My friends, this is the invitation today to sit at this epic table with Jesus, to feast upon the bread of life and then to invite other people to come and join us at that table. Why don't you stand to your feet? I'm going to pray for us and then we're going to finish with a song. Jesus, I am just overwhelmed at your offer of fullness of joy and and satisfaction like nothing in this life can offer us. Lord, I pray for myself personally and my brothers and sisters here today. Forgive us for when we've turned our noses up at the most epic meal that has been put in front of us. Forgive us, Lord, for where we've sought satisfaction from other tables, other feasts, other places where we will only find food that perishes. Would you stir our appetites this morning for the feast that you've given us in this bread of life? May we grow ever hungry for you, Jesus, as the true source of our satisfaction. God, help us as we march toward our true country. And may we invite other people all around us to come with us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I invite you to reflect as we sing this final worship song. Thanks, team. Thanks again for listening to the New Life Podcast. If that stirred something within you or you would like prayer, you can head to church.nu forward slash prayer or contact us through our Instagram or Facebook page. We pray you have a great week. Be blessed.